Chapter Ten of the Human Machine by Arnold Bennett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: Mischievously Overworking It. I have dealt with the two general major causes of friction in the daily use of the machine. I will now deal with a minor cause and make an end of mere dailiness. This minor cause and after all i do not know that its results are so trifling as to justify the epithet minor is the straining of the machine by forcing it to do work which it was never intended to do although we are incapable of persuading our machines to do effectively that which they are bound to do somehow we continually overburden them with entirely unnecessary and inept tasks we cannot it would seem let things alone for example in the ordinary household the amount of machine horsepower expended in fighting for the truth is really quite absurd this pure zeal for the establishment and general admission of the truth is usually termed contradictoriness but of course it is not that it is something higher my wife states that the Joneses have gone into a new flat of which the rent is a hundred and sixty-five pounds a year. Now, Jones has told me personally that the rent of his new flat is a hundred and fifty-six pounds a year. I correct my wife. Knowing that she is in the right, she corrects me. She cannot bear that a falsehood should prevail. It is not a question of nine pounds. It is a question of truth her enthusiasm for truth excites my enthusiasm for truth five minutes ago i didn't care tuppence whether the rent of the jones's new flat was a hundred and sixty-five or a hundred and fifty-six or a thousand and fifty-six pounds a year but now i care intensely that it is a hundred and fifty-six pounds i have formed myself into a select society for the propagating of the truth about the rent of the jones's new flat and my wife has done the same in eloquence in argumentative skill in strict supervision of our tempers we each of us squander enormous quantities of that h p which is so precious to us and the net effect is naught now if one of us two had understood the elementary principles of human engineering that one would have said privately truth is indestructible truth will out truth is never in a hurry if it doesn't come out to-day it will come out to-morrow or next year it can take care of itself ultimately my wife or my husband will learn the essential cosmic truth about the rent of the jones's new flat i already know it and the moment when she or he knows it also will be the moment of my triumph she or he will not celebrate my triumph openly but it will be none the less real and my reputation for accuracy and calm restraint will be consolidated if by a rare mischance i am in error it will be vastly better for me in the day of my undoing that i have not been too positive now besides nobody has appointed me sole custodian of the great truth concerning the rent of the jones's new flat i was not brought into the world to be a safe deposit and more urgent matters summon me to effort if one of us had meditated thus 
much needless friction would have been avoided and power saved amour propre would not have been exposed to risks the sacred cause of truth would not in the least have suffered and the rent of the jones's new flat would anyhow have remained exactly what it is in addition to straining the machine by our excessive anxiety for the spread of truth we give a very great deal too much attention to the state of other people's machines i cannot too strongly too sarcastically deprecate this astonishing habit it will be found to be rife in nearly every household and in nearly every office we are most of us endeavouring to rearrange the mechanism in other heads than our own this is always dangerous and generally futile considering the difficulty we have in our own brains where our efforts are sure of being accepted as well meant and where we have at any rate a rough notion of the machine's construction our intrepidity in adventuring among the delicate adjustments of other brains is remarkable we are cursed by too much of the missionary spirit we must needs voyage into the china of our brother's brain and explain there that things are seriously wrong in that heathen land and make ourselves unpleasant in the hope of getting them put right we have all our own brain and body on which to wreak our personality but this is not enough we must extend our personality further just as though we were a colonizing world power intoxicated by the idea of the white man's burden one of the central secrets of efficient daily living is to leave our daily companions alone a great deal more than we do and attend to ourselves if a daily companion is conducting his life upon principles which you know to be false and with results which you feel to be unpleasant the safe rule is to keep your mouth shut or if out of your singular conceit you are compelled to open it open it with all precautions and with the formal politeness you would use to a stranger intimacy is no excuse for rough manners though the majority of us seem to think it is you are not in charge of the universe you are in charge of yourself you cannot hope to manage the universe in your spare time and if you try you will probably make a mess of such part of the universe as you touch while gravely neglecting yourself in every family there is generally someone whose meddlesome interest in other machines leads to serious friction in his own criticize less even in the secrecy of your chamber and do not blame at all accept your environment and adapt yourself to it in silence instead of noisily attempting to adapt your environment to yourself here is true wisdom you have no business trespassing beyond the confines of your own individuality in so trespassing you are guilty of impertinence this is obvious and yet one of the chief activities of home life consists in prancing about at random on other people's private lawns what i say applies even to the relation between parents and children and though my precept is exaggerated it is purposely exaggerated in order effectively to balance the exaggeration in the opposite direction all individualities other than one's own are part of one's environment 
the evolutionary process is going on all right and they are a portion of it treat them as inevitable to assert that they are inevitable is not to assert that they are unalterable only the alteration of them is not primarily your affair it is theirs your affair is to use them as they are without self-righteousness blame or complaint for the smooth furtherance of your own ends there is no intention here to rob them of responsibility by depriving them of free will while saddling you with responsibility as a free agent as your environment they must be accepted as inevitable because they are inevitable but as centres themselves they have their own responsibility which is not yours the historic question have we free will or are we the puppets of determinism enters now as a question it is fascinating and futile it has never been and it never will be settled the theory of determinism cannot be demolished by argument but in his heart every man including the most obstinate supporter of the theory demolishes it every hour of every day on the other hand the theory of free will can be demolished by ratiocination so much the worse for ratiocination if we regard ourselves as free agents and the personalities surrounding us as the puppets of determinism we shall have arrived at the working compromise from which the finest results of living can be obtained the philosophic experience of centuries if it has proved anything has proved this and the man who acts upon it in the common banal contracts and collisions of the difficult experiment which we call daily life will speedily become convinced of its practical worth End of chapter 10